Thanks, buddy. Hey, good morning. I think we're good. This good? It's what I want you to do. I want you just to like high five two or three people around you. Just share some love, share some excitement, share your germs. <laughs> Tell them how good looking they are. There's like 95% of you who did that. And then the other five are like, we don't do that in church. It's okay, it's okay. <laughs> hey, I'm so uh, thankful to be hanging out with you. Here's my man, Mason, on the side. Everyone knows Mason, right? Yeah, Mason and I, we met, yeah, we met at an event called Blizzard up at Muskoka Woods. They had me speaking, and Mason was in the front row. And, man, I'm so, it's awesome you're here. Sorry, awkward. So, anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh, right now, um, I'm on a little speaking tour. It's called Made Famous, and it's, I think 78 days long, about 89 different cities and towns across the country um, and into the U.S. And what we're looking at, we're looking at is just the idea of having people understand the significance of understanding that God made them, he knows them. Yeah, we're in a culture that's teaching them and sharing something completely different, and we attach our value to something other than maybe God. But here's the thing. This morning, we're going a little different direction, and I got something for you, uh, but I'm going to pray first, and then uh, we'll see what God has to do. Father God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for every single person who's sitting here right now. Now, you know who they are. You literally made every single person here, and we forget the significance of that sometimes. We forget that you not only know us in this moment, but you knew us before the foundation of the world and laid. So because of that, Father, my hope if you can speak to all of us in some way, shape, or form this morning, because you know these thoughts that are going on within us, you know our struggles, you know like all the things that we carry around with us. And maybe no one else in this room knows those thoughts and those feelings. And thank you that you do, and that you listen, and that you speak. So, Father, this morning my hope is in some way, shape, or form you speak to every single person here. It doesn't matter if we are the youngest person or the oldest person. It doesn't matter if we have a title or no no title. It doesn't even matter if we consider ourselves a Christian or maybe today is the first time we've ever stepped foot in a church. Please speak. Pray for myself. I need wisdom and guidance and clarity in my thoughts and in my words. And my hope this morning, and no one's focused on myself, but they're focused on what you have to say, and you are the one who gets the glory, not me. Please. In Jesus' name, amen. Does anyone love spring? Yeah? If you were born and raised in Canada, you love spring, you know what I mean? Like, you know, if you're not born and raised in Canada, you really love spring, you know? Like, winter's over, you are excited. Uh, a couple years ago, uh, I moved to a little city called London, Ontario. And I moved in with this guy. His name was Jet Black. He's like a two-time bodybuilding champion. He's on the show Amazing Race. Like he's like, you know, celebrity kind of dude. And, and he's crazy. Now here's the problem. I'm also a little bit crazy when it comes to my personality. So when both of us come together, not good. It's not a good situation. So, so one spring, I was living with him. And in the attic, we heard like birds chirping or something chirping we assume it was birds we're from the city what do we know 
And usually when it's springtime, that's a great sign. It means the snow is finally melting. We have like 10 weeks of warm weather, and then winter comes again. So it's a good sign when you have these animals chirping. But then the chirping, a few weeks later, start turning into like, sounds like something like running in our attic. Like, birds don't run. They're like, okay, this is getting weird. But nothing in us decided, hey, let's look in the attic. We're city boys. We're scared. So we just ignored it. And then, like, I don't know, like, how big whatever it was was up there got. But we were convinced, though, like, there was, like, a German shepherd living in our attic. And it got to the point where it, just, it was so loud. But whatever it was, just big in there. We were terrified. So one day, actually, one of the neighbors actually knocked on our, uh, our door and said, hey, we saw a raccoon on your roof, and we saw it crawl into this little hole, and we're like, okay, well, we don't have birds, we don't have German shepherds, we have raccoons in our attic. You guys all know what raccoons are? They look really cute, but they can tear your arm off, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, this is where we're weird. One particular night, around midnight, Jet was on his way to bed, and, and we just really heard this extreme loud, chirping and sound. We heard the raccoons were just kind of quite louder than normal. So he came up with a very profound idea. He thought, hey, like, let's go out on the roof and let's look for these raccoons. Now, there's a few different problems here. Number one, earlier that day, I'm not even kidding, earlier that day, I watched YouTube videos on raccoon attacks. Uh, that pumped some fear into you. Okay? Those things are vicious. Now, number two, I'm scared of heights. So already, this is not a good combination. This is not a good situation. But we did it. So we crawl out onto the roof, and we're looking around, and we come to the hole where, where the raccoon apparently went into. So Jet says, well, just stick your head in the hole. <laughs> like, okay, thanks for the hot tip. Uh, <laughs> but I, I listened, and I stick my head in this hole. We did not see the raccoon, but we still heard the chirping. And when we are working our way back inside, we realized it was coming from the east trough. So Jet says, well, just go to the edge of the roof and look in the east trough. Like, that's where people fall off. <laughs> but, but I did it. So I go to the edge of the roof. And in the east trough, upside down, was this little baby raccoon. Oh, yeah, now it's cute. Now, yeah, it wasn't cute two minutes ago. <laughs> and it's just kind of kicking, moving its feet, but it couldn't move it was on its back. So I go into, like, let's save the world mode. Let's rescue this raccoon. I was going to do whatever it took, and I had this expectation. I was going to save his life, and, like, I'll get the Nobel Prize, and, like, you know, like, life will be awesome. So I go through the roof. I go through the window, go downstairs, and I grab an oven mitt for a little protection, because that's what you need. And I crawl back out onto the roof. I work my way to the edge of the roof. I'm a little, like, you know, I'm nervous. And I went down to grab this baby raccoon. What's the oven mitt? That's safety. And when I grabbed it, it just clung onto my hand. And do you know what I did? My natural reaction was to go, <laughs> And the raccoon flies out of my hand. Over the rainbow, no, no, there's no rainbow, but flight out of my hand onto the ground. And my thought process was like, my thought process was, 
this was not how it was supposed to turn out. This is not what I expected. This is not what I hoped for. I hoped to save a raccoon's life. That's why I made the decisions that I made, because I expected a certain result. If I thought it was going to turn out any differently, I would have convinced myself I would not have done that. Have you ever experienced that moment in life where you make a decision? You take a step. You have this expectation that it's supposed to work a certain way. It's all going to turn out a certain way. It's all going to turn out the way you hope. And when you're faced with this decision, big or small in life, you seek God, you turn to prayer, you look for wisdom in your Bible, and maybe you get counsel from other people. You want to make sure this is the right step to take in that moment of your life. And then you take it. And it didn't turn out the way you expected. And it didn't turn out the way you envisioned. It didn't turn out the way you have hoped. Maybe for some of us, it's when we were in high school. And you were told, if you get a degree in this field, when you graduate, you'll never have any trouble getting a job for the rest of your life. So you make this decision and you put four years and maybe more into hard work and you make the sacrifices, pouring money into his education and you got that degree, you got that master's, you got that piece of paper only to discover there are no jobs in that field. And there's a little part of you that says, this did not turn out the way I expected. Or maybe when it comes to a job, maybe you were in a situation in your life where you had to choose one job or another. Maybe you had two job offers on the table. Maybe you were in a good situation, but another one presented itself. And you seek God. He had his expectation, so he took that step, and you took that job with this hope. It would look a certain way. But you're not working there anymore. It didn't turn out the way you expected. Maybe you moved from one city or maybe one country to another. And you thought, this will be a fresh start in my life. And you had this hope and again the expectation that maybe this is going to happen and this is going to happen. So you leave your comfort zone, you leave your family, you leave what you know, you leave your friends, and you move to that city, you move to that country. It didn't look the way you thought. Huh. Maybe it was when that guy or that girl came into your life. Yeah, Mason knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's so good. And you meet this person, and you sincerely believe this is the one. And you give yourself to that person. You marry them. And you had this expectation what life was going to look like. And you're sitting here this morning, and you're divorced. That relationship didn't turn out the way you thought, the way you hoped. Or maybe, just one more situation, maybe, maybe 
as, as a grandparent or as a parent? You had children and you raised them in the church? And you just really thought, if I just like teach them Jesus and pray for them and teach them all the Bible lessons and, and bring them to church and Sunday school, that they would grow up following Jesus. So you poured yourself into this. You made that decision to be intentional about sharing him and everything about him in their lives. That you sit here this morning and your kid or your grandkid wants nothing to do with Jesus. And when we look at these results that did not turn out the way we expected, there's an internal thought that goes on in our head that says, what a waste. What a waste of time. What a waste of hard work. What a waste of a sacrifice. What a waste of of energy. What a waste of money. You put the blood, you put the sweat, you put the tears into it, and it turned out this way. What a waste. And in this moment, we convince ourselves, if we can go back, we would do it differently. But here's the thing. I don't think we would have. The reason why you took that step in the first place, because you trusted God, and you felt in that moment that was the best decision to make. That's why you took it. I'm not sure if we would do it differently a second time around. But it didn't look the way you thought, and maybe you're sitting here this morning looking back at what was, and ultimately it could be hindering you from moving forward. There's a guy in the Bible named David. Anyone heard of, a, of him before? <laughs> yeah. No one, 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 show me your hand. Show me some life. Okay, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> Two hands over here. There we go. Now, now, in, in the first Chronicles, what it does, it kind of gives like an account of David's life. So the first part of the chapter talks about David. He finally becomes king. As we know, that transition for him to become king did not run as smoothly maybe as it could have. But here he says he's finally king. And the next part, and they share that him and his men, they had to go and essentially, essentially conquer Jerusalem. At that point, there's still war going on and distress going on. It wasn't just like peace and roses and butterflies. And then it goes into this next scene, which we're going to read on the screen here, please. Now I'm going to say, one, two, three, ready, read. And out loud, we can read this to everybody. Is it awkward? 100%, but it's awesome. We're going to try this. One, two, three, ready, read. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> so this kind of sets the scene what's happening. Here David is, and because there's still like war and distress and situation going on, he, although he's king, he can't at this moment just walk down the beach and you know enjoy life as much as he wanted. So in some cases, out here, he's in the cave, he's hiding, kind of protecting himself. And meanwhile, while he's in this cave, it paints this picture that the Philistines, they got their own post, they got their camp set up in Bethlehem. 
But David in the cave, it says three of his 30 chiefs. I believe another translation uses the term mighty warriors. That's pretty awesome, awesome terminology. <laughs> I'll take that title. Three of his 30 chiefs, like three of like his closest dudes, came to visit him in this cave. And this is what happens on the next slide, please, as the story continues. One, two, three, ready, read. So while David is in the cave with his three men, he says, man, if I could just have some water from Bethlehem. Newsflash, David, that's a little complicated. You're not really wanted in Bethlehem right now. But he grew up there. So he probably had this childhood flashback when he was a shepherd. He knows the water. He knows where the good water is. If I could just have water from there. Now when he shares this out loud, who hears him? The three people. So they hear the king say, if I could just have this. And what do they do? They respond. They make a decision. They took a step. And with the step that they took, they had this hope, this expectation, how it was all going to look once they received that water and brought it back to David. So this is what, as we continue. One, two, three, ready, read. There we go. So the, the three, they go. And they go on this journey. You, can, you know, some scholars believe anywhere from like 17 to 22 kilometers. That's a pretty big hike. It's not like going across the street for a cup of sugar. <laughs> 17 to 22 kilometers. I don't do that. That's a long walk. But they make this hike. It's in the desert. It's hot during the day. If it went into the night, it actually gets pretty cold at nighttime. But they make this journey. And then, and then when they get to Bethlehem, I can imagine they couldn't just walk through and grab the water. They probably had to, like, fight their way through. In other words, they put their life into this. And they get the water, and then reality is they most likely have to fight their way back out. If there's a few extra people kind of stopping them. And that they're beaten and tired and bruised and poured everything into this. Now they have to make the same hike all the way back. 17, 22 kilometers. And they get this water. They bring it to David. And this is the result. One, two, three. Ready, read. What? Like, are you serious right now? This is not how to get people to come to your birthday party. You know what I mean? Like, like seriously? David, he takes the water, he just pours it out. Could you imagine how these three people felt? Probably no differently than you do. What a waste. If I knew it was going to turn out this way, I would never have taken that step to begin with. I would never have given my life 
to that. I have never put all these things on the line. I would not have put the energy into it. I would not put the hard work and the time and make that commitment if I knew it was going to turn out that same way. They looked at the results, and it, and it did not turn out the way they hoped and the way they expected. What a waste. But it's interesting, because it seems like David, he looked at things from a slightly different angle. As they're calling us a waste, David, notice it says he poured it out to the Lord. In that time, you know, they had like their their, their uh, offering ritual, and, and the act of offering, you know, you can look at it from look at it from slightly different angles, but in some cases, it's almost like an act of gratitude towards God, being thankful that He's given you life, that He's sustaining life. So they would lift offerings up to God, because the perspective was even even things like the sun and the rain coming from the Sky is God at work. In that time, because this was a pre-modern consciousness, they had what they kind of had was like a three-tier view of the universe. And the Bible kind of written from this view. So the idea is God literally lived in the sky, and here we are on earth, and hell is literally just when you dig a hole in, in, underneath us. And as we advance in time, we know God's just not hiding behind a cloud. But they didn't know that. So anything coming from the sky, that's why you see the terminology, we lift the offerings up to God. Anything came down from heaven. And one of the offerings that they had in the Old Testament we'll call the drink offering. This is found in Genesis, it's found in Exodus, and found in Leviticus. So David, when he received this water, he sees it from another angle, and he says, listen, like this water actually has so much value Based off what these three people did, I can't even drink it myself. I'm going to pour this out to God as an act of thankgiveness and thanksgiving and, and, and gratitude. It has so much value. So David, he saw things from a completely different angle. It's almost like he saw everything that they poured into this. And not just from King David's perspective. In your life, imagine it from God's perspective. He saw every minute you put into it. He saw every little bit of sweat you put into it. He saw every moment of prayer you put into it. He saw every ounce of hard work you put into these results. And although we might call it a waste, I wonder if there's a way to look at those seasons in your life from a different angle, from the angle how God may see him. Because in your moment, yes, you might say that degree did not lead to a job. But I'm not sure if we can just write that off as a waste. Because that degree now puts you in the elite of the elite on the planet when it comes to education. I'm not sure if that's a waste. Yes, maybe that job only lasted nine months before you're let go. But in that nine months, when you were getting that consistent paycheck, you were considered one of the most wealthy people on the planet. I, I'm not sure if that's a waste. Yes, maybe your marriage ended in a divorce. But as a result of that marriage, you have two beautiful children. 
I'm not sure if we should be so quick to just write the whole thing off as a waste. Could there possibly be another way to look at things? Another way to tell this story? Another angle to look at it through? Another lens? I can imagine Jesus' disciple feeling the same way you do sometimes, in the same way these three men did. That they, they, they give their life to follow Jesus. They laid different things aside. They made a decision. And at some point along the way, I really believe they had some expectation on what it was all going to look like. If it was Jesus kind of, you know, taking over the Roman Empire, establishing his kingdom, or bringing a new peace on earth, I think they had their expectation and their hope. That's why they stuck with them for all that time. And then they see Jesus on the cross. And they probably felt the exact same way. But here we are in 2017. We have the luxury to turn the page and continue the story. But in those days when Jesus was in the cave before he came walking out of it, I can't imagine the thought process these men, these disciples went through. But here we are in 2017. We're able to look at Jesus' death from a completely different angle. And I don't think anyone here will say what Jesus did on the cross was a waste. Nothing in Jesus' name is a waste. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you quickly have labeled something as a waste because it didn't turn out the way you thought. Have you considered the progress that you made in that season, though? Have you considered the perseverance? Have you considered the character development? Have you considered the experience you gained? Have you considered the people you met along the way? Have you considered it still took you from point A to B, although B didn't look exactly what you thought it was going to, it still brought you a little further down the road? The challenge is, if we just label it as a waste, you live with two mindsets. It's either one, you live in regret. And that just eats people up. Or two, you live in fear. And the fear is the next time you make a decision, the next time you take a step, the next time you have these hopes and these expectations, the next time you trust God with this area of your life, you have this fear that's in you, that's putting this thought in your head, that's going over and over and over and over again. And what does it do? It tells you the next time it's going to turn out the same way. Therefore, why take this step? Just be comfortable and stay where you are. Fear can literally hinder us it can control us. It can keep us in the same spot. And maybe we're missing out on things that God has in your life, places God wants to take you, things he wants to do with you. Because we kind of say, you know what? Been there, done that, didn't work out. I'm pretty cool right here. I think all of us, I can, I'm teaching to myself right now. And I wonder if this morning, if it starts, by simply just looking at things 
from a whole different angle. Like renewing our mind. So it can break us free from this past so we don't let regret or fear become Lord of our life. And as challenging as it can be, any decision that we make, we can make it in full trust that God is still leading us through life. And any time we forget that, my hope, even as we celebrate communion this morning, my hope is we can fix your eyes back on the cross just as a simple reminder, not just how much you love, but as that reminder that God, he has not given up on you. He has not forsaken you, although you may feel that way. He's not forgotten about you. He's not turned his back on you. And yes, maybe there's things in our life we don't understand, and I can understand in some aspects. When we trusted God, you know, for things to look a certain way, and they didn't, I can understand why in our humanness it breaks that trust a little bit. But in those moments, in those difficulties, when our mind starts going crazy, when we start getting these lies in our head, always go back to the cross. That's where you find truth, and that's where you find reason, and that's where you find purpose to continuously, every single day, trust your life in the hands of the God of this universe who sent his son, Jesus, to die for you that you can live, that you can be forgiven, that you can experience His grace in your life. I'm going to pray. Father, this morning I just ask that you can help if it's one person or all of us Help us maybe look at things from a different angle. So we look at the results and maybe it didn't turn out the way we thought. With that relationship or that job or education or the finances or our dreams or whatever it was. But we forget the journey. We forget how many times you have blessed us along the way. We, we forget the progress that's been made and what we learn along the way and the wisdom we gain and the experience we gained in life. Nothing in your name is a waste. And maybe there's someone here this morning and because they label these results as a waste, because they label these seasons of their life as a waste, Maybe this time around, we find it a little more challenging, a little more difficult to truly trust you with this next decision that you put in front of us. That our mind keeps telling us it's going to be a waste again. Our mind keeps telling us that like, you're just going to turn out the same way. Our mind keeps telling us all that hard work and the time and the energy and the money and the sacrifice that we're going to pour into it is just waste. And we let that mindset and that fear keep us in the same spot. And we know it's keeping us in the same spot. So my hope this morning, Lord, again, just help us renew our mind. Help us look at things from a completely different angle. If that means we have to have a conversation after we have conversation, 
If that means we need to open up a book and just kind of journal and just reaccount like these seasons of our life that we may be written off. If it means we need prayer. If it means whatever, my hope is we can take whatever action step that we can take to help us see things from a different angle. From the angle of you saw that. And give these people peace as we fix their eyes back on the cross this morning. As a reminder of the love and grace you pour out to every single person here. And as a reminder that you've never given up on them. Pray for peace. In Jesus' name, amen.